So if it is your first time here, uh, welcome. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. Appreciate you guys coming on out. We are in week three of our November series that we are calling Hit the Reset. And all month long, we've been doing one thing and one thing only, taking a look at forgiveness, taking a look at what scripture has to say about forgiveness. And then we're trying to find out how we can begin to practically apply those lessons to our lives so that we might be able to hit the reset on some of our relationships. And those relationships might be with ourselves, other people, or maybe even with God. Now, if you're with us in week one, we answered the question, what do we do when we get offended? Because let's be honest, we all do. And we kind of talked about the small stuff and how the small stuff kind of builds up in your life and eventually kind of takes over and makes you bitter. And we learned that scripture says that when it comes to these kind of small offenses in our lives, we are to overlook the offense. That's what God's word says. And to overlook an offense, to just let things go, scripture says, is actually to our glory. That if we can do this, it actually shows that God is working in our lives. So if that's an issue for you, uh, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to week one. It might be helpful for you. Last week, Adam, uh, just at the announcements, joined our conversation and spoke to you guys about forgiving ourselves. And there are many Christians, and, and maybe you're one of them, I don't know all your stories, but there are many Christians who, who know, they, they know that they know that they know that they have been forgiven of their sins by God. They know. And yet they're just unable to forgive themselves. That when they think about what they may have done or the people that they have hurt or the mistakes that they've made, they think about you know, what happened on spring break all those years ago, they just, they just can't seem to let it go. And the reality is learning to forgive ourselves is one of the most important things that we can do in our spiritual walk and helping our faith grow. Today, what I want to do is I want to talk about forgiving others. Now, cards on the table, okay? Today is going to be a rough day for some of you. I'm just, I just want to be honest with you. I'm not going to give you a trigger warning because they found the trigger warnings don't even work. But today is going to be possibly emotionally draining for some of you spiritually taxing for some of you, but we're going to get through this together. And when we're done, we're going to be better off for having had this conversation. So to begin, I want to do something that I don't normally do. I want to actually start by just reading scripture, kind of set the tone for the day. Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. Another translation says that it is impossible that no offense should come. In other words, there are going to be times in your life when people are going to hurt you. There are going to be times when people betray you, let you down. Jesus is just letting you know that that's a part of life that's going to happen. Don't be surprised when it does. So watch yourself, he says. Now, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. In other words, don't just pretend it didn't happen. Confront them. Go to them. Deal with it. Hash it out. As followers of Christ, we're to try to make things right. Goal, our goal is always reconciliation. That is always our number one goal. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to deal with it. Okay? We're going to try to find healing in the midst of that hurt. Jesus says, now, if they repent, forgive them. Let it go. Let them off the hook. Release them. Then he says something that's incredibly challenging. He goes, even if they sin against you seven times in a day, okay, 
And seven times they come back to you saying, I repent. You must, that's a command, you must forgive them. In another part of the Gospels, Jesus is teaching a very similar lesson. Peter asks an interesting question, and I would argue that Peter is pulling from this lesson right here when he asks this question. He says, Lord, let me ask you, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? There it is. Remember Jesus said, if, if someone sins against you seven times, you forgive them seven times. But I would argue that Peter misunderstood that lesson of Jesus. Peter saw seven as kind of being the limit to forgiveness. In other words, Peter was trying to put a limit as to how much one should forgive someone else. And I think we all do that, right? I'll forgive him seven times. But eight, mm, no, there's got to be a limit. Now watch what Jesus says. He says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. I did the math for you. And when I say I did the math, I asked Alexa. Okay, that is for, you think I could do this? I could barely calculate a tip. Okay, that's 490 times. And that's just for one person. Presumably, Jesus wants us to use this standard with all of our relationships. You spread this out over the course of a lifetime, this means you're forgiving one person once a month for 40 years. So the disciples hear this teaching. They hear Jesus commanding, not suggesting, commanding this incredibly high standard of forgiveness. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Lord, if we're going to do what you're actually asking us to do, we're going to need more faith. We're going to need a bigger boat, okay? And that's my prayer for all of us today. In fact, before we dive in, I actually, I actually want to pray really quick for you guys. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, all week long I've been thinking about this moment because I know we have folks in this room and watching online and listening in the future who are dealing with hurt, who have been hurt, who have been betrayed and perhaps abused, Lord. And I know there's part of them that wants to forgive, and I know there's another part of them that doesn't want to forgive, and I just pray right now, Lord, you would lower our defenses. You would allow us to be vulnerable to your word, that you would increase our faith, and you would help us to obey you. In Jesus' name we pray. Who betrayed you? Who lied to you? or lied about you. Maybe it was a boyfriend who lied to you and then lied about you. Maybe it was a father that you just wanted to please, but no matter what you did, he made you feel unloved and insignificant. Maybe it was somebody in authority that you were told to trust and you did trust, and they took your innocence. They took advantage of you. Do we really need to forgive those people. When it is something that significant, when it is something that heinous, when they don't deserve it, do we really have to forgive those individuals? God's word says yes. Let me show you a couple of examples. Jesus says this. You've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. This is something we can all get behind, okay? Love the people that are lovable, hate the jerks. This is easy. But then Jesus raises the standard, as he always does. He says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
Paul joins the conversation. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now, wait do you see what I'm about to put up here. Because what Jesus says in Matthew 6 will scare you straight. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let me clarify what he's saying here. Jesus in this moment is not referring to salvation. Scripture is very clear. You are forgiven through Jesus and by no work of your own. What Jesus is referring to here is what I'm going to call the day-to-day forgiveness, the day-to-day kind of cleansing of our sins. And our refusal to forgive, as he puts it here, disrupts our relationship with God. And I think anybody in this room who has sort of held on to unforgiveness at some point in their life would agree. Something just feels off. God clearly tells us that we must forgive. But how in the world do we do it? Let's dive in and find out. Before we talk about what forgiveness is, I think it's really important that we talk about what forgiveness is not. Okay, number one, I mean, forgiveness is not forgetting. I was talking with our volunteers this morning about this. According to scripture, once God has forgiven you, he never thinks about your sin again. That's what scripture says. In some divine way, and I don't know how this happens, God hits the reset on his own memory, and he only sees you from that moment forward through the lens of Jesus Christ. He never thinks about your sins again. We, however, are not God. We are human. Which means we have memories. We have scar tissue. So for us, forgiveness doesn't mean that we forget about the offense. It doesn't mean you're not going to have any recollection as to what they did to you or what happened to you. You will remember. You will remember what happened to you. That is not forgiveness. Secondly, forgiveness is not pretending that that didn't happen to you. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we just sweep it under the rug. Forgiveness is not saying that what that person did to you was not completely wrong or not completely sinful. Forgiveness is not saying that you have to be a doormat for the rest of your life. Forgiveness is not saying that you have to continue to let that person abuse you and wear a smile on your face. That is not forgiveness. What else is forgiveness not? And this is a big one. Forgiveness is not fair. There's nothing fair about forgiveness. Fair is paying them back. Fair is an eye for an eye. Fair says, you hurt me? Oh, watch out. I'm coming for you. I want my pound of flesh. When someone hurts you or betrays you or mistreats you, you want God to be fair. God, you be fair. And you judge them. You smite them. You take them down a notch. You avenge me. God, give them what they deserve. That's fair. But here's what's so interesting. We love it when God isn't fair with us. Because he's not always fair with us. He's always just, but he's not always fair. Because if God were always fair, then we would get what our sins deserve, but he's not fair our benefit. Psalm 103 says this, 
he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. In other words, because of our sins, what we actually deserve is death. That's fair. Because of our sins, what we actually deserve is hell. That's fair. And I know we don't like that word, but that's the reality of sin, and that's what sin deserves. That is fair. And yet, thankfully, God wasn't fair. And he has taken away our sins uh, from us as far as the east is from the west. Forgiveness, therefore, isn't necessarily forgetting. Forgiveness isn't pretending. Forgiveness isn't always fair, so what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is giving others what God gave you. Let me talk to the Christians in the room for a moment, because I know we got a lot of Christians in here, not all Christians, but let me ask you a couple of questions. These are not rhetorical questions. I actually want you to answer them, but in your own heart. Number one, have you been forgiven of anything? Just think about that. Have you at some point in your life experienced grace that you didn't deserve? Have you ever been the beneficiary of the mercy and the goodness of God? Forgiveness, then, is giving to others the very same thing that God has given to you. You see, the gospel isn't about just receiving forgiveness, but giving forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't just flow to us, but it flows through us, okay? And so if we receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, but we don't extend that same forgiveness to other people, we break the cycle. One day, Jesus was talking to his disciples. They said, Jesus, can you teach us to pray? And he teaches them a very famous prayer, and you're going to know this prayer when I put it up there. But there's one line in this prayer that always scares me. Jesus taught his disciples to pray this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Lord's Prayer. Many of us know this, right? So far, so good. Get on board with this. But watch what Jesus tells us to pray next. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do you really want to pray that? Lord, forgive me in the manner in which I forgive other people. My whole life I've been praying that prayer, I've been singing the song, it's a Christmas song now, I don't really know why, one of my favorites, but, but I never really thought about it until it was pointed out to me in seminary by a professor about what I was actually praying. And that day I stopped praying this line. If you've been around DHC, you know we don't generally have church on Christmas because the museum's not open, we wish we could, but we can't. And so we go to New Jersey and we go to Catholic church with my in-laws and at Catholic church, if you were raised Catholic, you know, we, they pray this pretty much every Sunday. We get to this line, I go silent. Because I am convicted and quite frankly, I'm scared about how imperfect my forgiveness is. And yet here it is in black and white from Jesus. I want you to forgive. Why? Why would God ask us to forgive? There are many reasons, but one of the top reasons I think that he would ask you to forgive something that seems so unforgivable, that seems so unfair, is because God loves you so much. And he doesn't just ask you to forgive someone to heal that person. He asks you to forgive that person to heal yourself. Forgiving someone else might not necessarily set them free. 
But forgiving someone else always sets you free. All week long, I was thinking about you guys. I mean, this message was a burden on me. And I know this message hits a nerve with so many of you right now. I know it. So many of you are dealing with hurt. So many of you are holding on to hurt. And listen to me when I say this, you have a right to be hurt. And you have a right to hold on to those hurts. And you have a right to be angry. But scripture is clear. Being angry is easy. Holding on to bitterness and rage, that's easy. That comes naturally. It is easy to wish the worst on someone who deserves something bad. It is easy to rehearse how you're going to take someone down. It is easy to just walk away and stop talking. And it is incredibly easy to let the devil tear apart your family. It is easy to live in hatred and unforgiveness, and some of you have been doing it for a long, long time, and you're tired, and you're broken, but you are so angry. Forgiveness is not easy, and it does not come natural. It is not a human instinct. And so if you, and I don't know your situation, but if you are going to forgive, you, like the disciples, are going to have to ask God to increase your faith. Why? What does faith do? Faith enables you to see an opportunity for freedom where others only see an opportunity for offense. Faith empowers you. Faith does not mean you're going to be excited about doing it. In fact, in your flesh, you're probably still going to be angry. You're still going to feel betrayed. But you choose by faith to forgive. I'm going to offer that person or that group or that institution the same forgiveness God offered me. I want to talk just for a moment to married people in the room. And specifically, and I don't know if you're here, if you're online, but specifically those marriages that might be on the rocks at the moment. There's, there's, there's trouble. Here's what I would say to you. It takes faith to forgive. Now you might say, John, you don't know what they did. I don't know what they did, but here's what I know. It takes faith to forgive. Now maybe there's infidelity in your marriage. They cheated on you. Adultery, according to scripture, is a valid reason for divorce. You heard it here. Adultery is biblical grounds for divorce but adultery is also biblical grounds for forgiveness. And you can choose to walk away. Or you can choose to lean on Jesus and by faith offer that person something they do not deserve. Now, I cannot tell you what to do. I do not know your story, but I can tell you this. Every good marriage consists of two good forgivers. Because we are always, always imperfect. And I know because I need so much grace, I'm going to offer as much grace as I possibly can. It takes faith to forgive. It takes faith to believe that on the other side of that offense is something better than holding on to this hurt and this grudge. Now, as you hear this today and you begin to contemplate what it might look like for you personally to offer forgiveness, as you begin to maybe pray with, about it and, 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 and wrestle with it, there's probably a part of you that's going to want to ask, well, how much forgiveness did they deserve? Effectively, the same question Peter asked Jesus. 
How many times should I forgive this person? Seven times? This is a very natural question to ask, but it is the wrong question. The real question is, how much freedom do you desire? It takes faith to forgive. Now, I don't know your situation, but it's, it's choosing in your heart to say, what you did to me, it's not going to hold me prisoner anymore. Your, your betrayal is not going to make my heart bitter. I may have suffered abuse and lies, but I am not going to let that rob me of my future by faith, by faith, by faith. I am choosing to let it go. I am not a victim anymore. I am not a prisoner anymore. I am free. So, what's the practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it's your first time here at Downtown Harbor Church, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and just know exactly what to do with what you've heard. Now, here's the truth. After hearing the scripture that you heard today, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that every single one of you knows what you're supposed to do with what you've heard. The question is, will you do it? Now, if you're a Christian in this room and you're struggling with this message and you're wrestling with the words of Christ and, and, you're, and you're struggling to obey the commands of Jesus to forgive other people, allow me just for a few minutes to shift your mind away from that person because I bet the whole last 20 minutes you've just had their face in your mind. Let me shift you away from that person or that situation to something else. When you walked in, Hopefully, you grabbed a communion cup. Grab it. If you didn't, just raise your hand, and we'll have somebody bring it over to you. Looks like pretty much everybody has it. Hold it in your hand. Don't do anything with it. <clears throat> On the last night of Jesus' life, he gathers disciples together for one last supper. And towards the end of the evening, it says that he took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. In other translations, it says my body, which has been broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he says, take it and eat it. Then he took the cup. And while he had given thanks for it, or when he gave thanks for it, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, the disciples, they hear this and they're confused. Jesus, what? You're standing right in front of us. You are totally, completely healthy. What are you talking? Body broken, blood being poured out. Little do they know that in just a few short hours, Jesus would experience what the prophet Isaiah foretold 700 years earlier in predicting the crucifixion. Isaiah said of Jesus, yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped 
so we could be healed. And all of us, like sheep, have strayed away and we have left God's path to follow our own, which means we don't deserve what's about to come next. And yet the Lord laid on him the sins of all. And 700 years later, Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, died on that cross for you and for me. And the worst thing in the world happened to the best person in the world. And that's not fair. But what we learned today is that forgiveness isn't fair. And thank God for that. And so as we celebrate communion, what I want you to do is I want you to reflect on the forgiveness that Jesus has offered you. I want you to think about his body being broken for you, his blood being poured out for your forgiveness. And my prayer is that this will be so impactful for you today that it would encourage you and embolden you to offer others the same forgiveness that Jesus offers you. Now, perhaps you're here today and you're wondering who should take communion. Great question. First time here, first time ever in church, and you're kind of wondering, do I do this? Is this for me? You know. Okay. The truth is church is for everybody. Communion is not necessarily for everybody. This guy named Paul who wrote over half the New Testament talks about sort of what is communion supposed to look like? Who should take it? And he says this, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Which means that communion is for the followers of Jesus Christ, for Christians. By taking communion, you are actively proclaiming, according to Paul, you are proclaiming to yourself, to those sitting around you, and to the world that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And so if you're here today and you're in a place where you haven't asked Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior, you're not a Christian, totally fine. Just sit back and relax and watch this 2,000-year-old ritual. But for those of you in this room who are Christians, how is this going to work? How does communion work here at Jesus at DHC? Julia is going to come out in just a second, and she's going to lead us in a song. You don't have to sing. But while she's singing, I would use those moments in your chair as a time of prayer and reflection. Paul says that, that, that it's a time to examine oneself, which means that you're to sort of look within and confess any sin, any, any wrongdoings, any failures to God. Use this as an opportunity to reflect on what Christ did for you on that cross. And in the spirit of the day, I would challenge you to ask Jesus to increase your faith so that you can forgive others as he forgave you. And when you're ready, on your own time, take the wafer, eat it, and remember Jesus' body being broken for you. Take the juice and remember Jesus' blood being poured out for the forgiveness of your sin. And when the song is over, I will come out and close us.